Our world is confused about what's right, what's wrong, and what's true. It won't be long until God sets the record straight. And that's our topic here on His Voice Today. Welcome to another His Voice Today with Steve Wolberg. Have you ever witnessed a head-on collision between two vehicles? Uh, it's not pretty. Most of the time, people don't survive that kind of, a, that kind of an accident. That's what's going to happen to our world. Our world is heading for a collision with the big day, and the big day is the return of Jesus Christ. That return is described in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 11 to 16. It's like a collision between God and his planet, and when the collision hits, it's not going to be pretty for those that aren't on his side, for those that don't know the Lord. And so we're about to have a Bible study. This is called Behold a White Horse from Revelation 19, verses 11 to 16, describing the coming of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about moral issues, about what's right, about what's wrong, about what's true, so that we can be ready for the big day when Jesus Christ comes again. If you have a Bible, I invite you to follow along with me. Revelation chapter 19, starting with verse 11. The Bible says, and I saw heaven opened. First of all, we're going to dissect this. John said that he saw heaven. He saw heaven, heaven opened. Uh, it's no secret that we live in a very secular age. A lot of people don't believe in heaven anymore. When I was a teenager, I used to listen to the Beatles and a lot of other rock and roll groups, mild rock, heavy rock. And I've listened to John Lennon many times. I've listened to one particular song called Imagine There's No Heaven. It's easy if you try, John Lennon used to sing before he died. I imagine that he believed that. He, he wasn't a practicing Christian, that's no secret. He wasn't a Bible believer. And so he created this song, or at least he sang the words, Imagine That There Is No Heaven. It's easy if you try. Well, John Lennon is dead, and he was dead wrong. Uh, there is a heaven, and the Bible tells us that one of these days, heaven is going to crack open, and something big is going to happen. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Now, I personally don't believe that there's a real horse up there. Uh, I don't believe that Jesus is grooming uh, some Arabian stallion. This is sacred symbolism that's found in Revelation. Revelation has a lot of symbols. Uh, Revelation talks about a harlot riding a beast. We've talked about this in a previous program. It talks about a beast with seven heads and ten horns. It talks about a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. It talks about uh, a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes. And all of these are sacred symbols that are designed to teach us lessons. Lessons about truth and about righteousness and about deception. And when Revelation describes heaven being opened and one of these days a white horse appears, uh, this doesn't literally mean that, that there's, like I said, a horse up there that needs to be fed, but this is Revelation's uh, description of the return of Jesus Christ, which is going to be real. There's no doubt. There's many verses that say this. Revelation 1 verse 7 says, Behold, he's coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Uh, Matthew 24, verses 30 and 31, Jesus said that one of these days the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. 
and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In Matthew 24, verse 27, Jesus said, As the lightning flashes from the east and shines all the way to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So the Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ is coming. And in Revelation 19, he's described as coming on a white horse. What lesson can we learn from this passage? Uh, white. There's a big lesson for us in the word white. Now, this doesn't mean that God is prejudiced. It doesn't mean that uh, he likes white people and doesn't like black people or, or brown people or red people. It doesn't mean this at all. Uh, in fact, uh, there are verses in the scriptures that are very clear that the Lord loves all people. He created all people. Um, somebody once uh, asked a friend of mine, he said, well, why are there black people and white people and different kinds of people in this world? And his response was, the, the simple reason is because God loves variety. And he built into the genes of Adam and Eve uh, all the varieties that eventually uh, we see around us. The book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 26, tells us that from one blood, God made all the nations to dwell upon the face of the whole earth. That's Acts 19, verse 26. That first has really impressed me, that this, our skin may be different, but we all have the same blood uh, as far as you know, the basic kind of blood, if you uh, break any of our skin, whatever the color of the skin is, when the blood hits the oxygen, it's going to turn red. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not per uh, perish but have everlasting life. I grew up in Los Angeles, and I had uh, friends that were black, I had friends that were brown, I have friends now that are on the redskin side, uh, Native Americans, and I have a, a, personal, a personal passion to teach others that prejudice is wrong. When the book of Revelation describes Jesus Christ coming on a white horse, it's not talking about the color of, of skin, meaning that God is prejudiced one way or another. In fact, God is not prejudiced at all, and white represents purity. It represents his moral purity. And prejudice is wrong. And there's all kinds of things in this world that are wrong. And when Jesus Christ comes, as he's described in Revelation, as coming on a white horse, this is Revelation's way of impressing us that Jesus is coming down from the sky in perfect purity. And if we have any uh, impurity or sin or prejudice that we are cherishing inside of our hearts, then it doesn't uh, bode well for us for the big day when the collision occurs between God and planet Earth. Lots of lessons we can learn from this chapter. I saw heaven open. There's a real heaven. And the Bible says, behold, a white horse. Now, the word horse, if you read this in the Bible, in the scriptures, do a study on horse. horse a horse represents strength. Uh, God is a powerful God. He is an almighty God. He is... Uh, the all-powerful God, uh, and there's no forces in this world, there is no wickedness in this world, there is no evil in this world, there is no prejudice in this world that is going to stand in the great day when Jesus Christ returns to planet Earth to uh, set things right eternally. A white horse, and he that sat upon him, this is talking about the rider on the horse, he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. 
the rider of the horse in Revelation 19.11 is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but our ministry that I'm a part of is called, that I actually direct, is called White Horse Media. Uh, we picked the name White Horse because of Revelation 19.11. We picked the word media because we are trying to communicate God's living truths through media, through television, radio, the internet, and God is blessing us because we are taking a stand for the principles of what is right. And this verse says that Jesus is ultimately the rider on the horse. Uh, some people uh, you know, ask me about this, why'd you pick the name White Horse Media? And I tell them it's from Revelation. We, sometimes we might have a little Bible study. And I'm always very careful to say that Steve Wahlberg is not the rider on the horse. Even though I'm the speaker director of White Horse Media, the ultimate guide, the ultimate director, the ultimate speaker, the ultimate leader of our organization is Jesus Christ himself. And I believe that that is the way all true Christians should feel about their ministries and about uh, their focus, is that Jesus is to be the center of our lives. He is the rider on the horse, not you and not me. And as we keep reading, it says that he has some special names. It says that he is called faithful and he is called true. I like that word faithful. Jesus Christ is a faithful savior. Uh, a long time ago, he and his father, his eternal father, the eternal father and the eternal son, along with the eternal Holy Spirit, they covenant, covenanted together that if Adam and Eve should sin, that the son of God would come down to this dark world and he would, he'd be born in Bethlehem. He would live a pure life in spite of all the attacks of the devil to bring him down, to tempt him, to lead him into sin, uh, to get him to, uh, to yield to hatred, to prejudice, to hostility, to anything that was wrong. Uh, and, and Jesus covenanted that he was going to be faithful to his mission. And when he was born in Bethlehem, the, the clock ticked and the plan started going forward. When he met the devil in the wilderness and he was tempted, uh, three times Satan tempted him and Jesus said each time, it is written, it is written, it is written. He resisted the devil and he was faithful, faithful to his father. At the end of his life, he entered the Garden of Gethsemane. He gathered to himself all the sins of the whole world and he made the fateful decision that he would drink the cup that no matter what happened, no matter how much uh, pain it was going to cause between him and his father, he was going to go through with the royal plan. And finally, at the end of his life, his hands were nailed uh, to a piece of wood. His body was lifted up. His feet were nailed. Thorns were placed on his head. The blood dripped down. And all the way to the very last moment when he finally said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and he died. Jesus Christ was faithful to the plan. He's faithful uh, to his father. And he's faithful to you and he's faithful to me. That's why he did that. He did it for us so that he could pay the price for our sins, so he could rise from the dead, and so that he could give us a chance to make a choice to turn away from the evil of this world, from the godlessness of this world, from the immorality of this world, from the wickedness of this world, and have a chance to have eternal life through repentance and through faith in him. Jesus Christ is called faithful. Not only was he faithful to his mission, but he's faithful to you. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us of our sins and he will cleanse us from all 
righteousness. Jesus is faithful to you to forgive your sins if you repent and trust in him. Let's keep going. He that sat upon the horse, the rider, is called faithful and true. He's also true. Uh, in this world today, everything just seems to be up for grabs. Uh, relativism is, is the wave of life on earth today. People say, well, if it's true for you, it's true. If it's true for me, you know, it's my truth. This is my truth and this is your truth. Uh, and as, as a result, uh, there's not very much truth in this world. Everything is just, uh, is just confusing, full of confusion. Everything seems to be gray. You know, people don't know what's right and what's wrong. But in the Bible, it's not that way. God is a God of truth. And the scripture says that when Jesus comes again, that his name is called faithful and true. If you do a study of the word true, it's very clear in this book that there are definitely standards of truth. Uh, in John 17, verse 17, Jesus said, your word is the truth. In Psalm 119, verse 142, the Bible says that God's law is the truth. In John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus talked about the spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth. Uh, somebody once said that morality is like art. It starts with drawing a line. Jesus also said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And to me, it's very impressive that in Revelation 19, 11, Jesus is called faithful and he's also called true when he comes again. Uh, God wants us to know the truth. He doesn't want us to be confused. And Jesus Christ himself and his book, this is the truth. And this is the truth that we need to know to get ready for impact, to get ready for collision day when Jesus Christ returns to planet Earth. He that sat upon the horse was called faithful and true, and in righteousness, righteousness basically means what's right in contrast to what's wrong. And this goes along with the word true. Uh, again, this world is full of confusion and people don't know what's right and what's wrong anymore. Uh, people are confused about men, about women, about boys, about girls, about raising kids, about, uh, about health. There's just all kinds of confusion about politicians, about who to vote for, about, uh, about the future, about what the Bible says. Confusion reigns. This is the age of confusion. But when Jesus comes, he comes in righteousness, which is designed to teach us before that day comes that there is a right and there is a wrong, and God wants us to be on the side of right and not on the side of wrong in order to be ready. In righteousness, he judges, and then it says, and he makes war. He judges and he makes war. When most people think of Jesus, they don't think of the judge. Uh, they think of like the nativity scene during Christmas time. They think of uh, the, the meek and mild Jesus who was born in Bethlehem as a little baby. And it's true, he was born in Bethlehem as a little baby. And it is true that Jesus' heart is a heart of meekness and humility and gentleness and love. Uh, but that's not the whole story. When Jesus looks at the world and looks at all the evil in this world, he, when he looks at all of the uh, child abuse and the terrorism and the injustices and the prejudice, and the, uh, the murders and the crime and uh, the hypocrisy and all the things that are breaking the Ten Commandments uh, on all sides of us, uh, Jesus is, uh, he doesn't like those things. He doesn't want those things to continue forever. He wants to get rid of them from his world. 
And this verse says that when he comes, he's coming uh, as the judge. It says in righteousness he will judge. And Jesus is not the kind of judge that will take a bribe. He's not an unjust judge. He's a judge that judges what's right and what's true, and he will make those final decisions when he returns. And we want to make sure if we're going to be ready for collision day, for the big day, that we are on his side doing what's right and not doing what's wrong. It says he, he judges and he makes war. He makes war. Now, that's not a word that we normally think of in connection with Jesus Christ, but it's true. Uh, Jesus is a warrior, and in Revelation 19.11, he's described as a holy warrior, like a hero coming down from heaven, from the sky, on a white horse. He's faithful and true, and he stands up for righteousness, and he judges, and he makes war. Now, the next question is, what is he going to make war on? Well, if you just look at the context, uh, Jesus will make war on everything that's not right. He'll make war on everything that's not true. He'll make war on everything that is, uh, that is impure, that is not white like the horse. Jesus will make war on sin. He'll make war on evil. He's coming to defeat it. He's coming to conquer it. He's not coming as a meek and mild savior to be born in Bethlehem. He's coming as a holy warrior to get rid of sin and to put it down. Verse 12 says, his eyes were like a flame of fire. His eyes were like a flame of fire. There's a verse in the Bible that says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro all throughout the earth, looking to see whose hearts are perfect before him so he can stand strong in their behalf. Uh, God's eyes are like a flame of fire. He searches his people. He searches those who profess to follow him. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and he knows what's in our hearts. He knows the kind of lives that we're living. He knows whether we are hypocrites or whether we're doing things behind the scenes that we shouldn't be doing or whether we are truly on his side. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He has a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed, clothed in a vesture or a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. His name is called the Word of God. What lesson can we learn from that? When Jesus comes down from the sky, his name is not the opinions of men. It's not the philosophies of men. It's not the psychologies of men. It's not the traditions of men. His name is not the theories of men. His name is the Word of God. And that should impress us. There's a lesson for us in this revelation that we need to follow the Bible instead of the traditions of men. We need to follow God and the Holy Spirit and what this book says. Instead of yielding to the age of confusion that we're in, whether it's moral confusion or doctrinal confusion, God wants us to follow the scriptures. When Jesus dealt with the devil in the wilderness, and he was tempted three times in Matthew chapter 4. Every time Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And if we are going to be ready for his coming, then we need to have his word living inside of our hearts. 1 John chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 tells us that uh, we can overcome the devil because the word is abiding inside of our hearts. Jesus wants his word to be in us, and if the living word is inside of us through the Holy Spirit, then when he comes again, then we will be ready to meet 
uh, the personal word of God, Jesus himself, when he comes down on the great day. Verse 14 continues and says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses as well, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Heaven is full of uh, purity. It's white, it's clean, it's pure, it's holy. Uh, all of the ungodliness that we see around us in this world, uh, it's not up there. And when Jesus comes down, he's going to get rid of it. And so it's not going to go on forever all around us. Jesus is going to conquer the forces of evil, and he wants us to be on his side. Verse 15 says that out of his mouth, out of the mouth of Jesus when he comes, goeth a sharp sword. Now, this doesn't literally mean that Jesus is going to come down and open his mouth and a, and a sharp blade is going to pop out and it's going to start cutting. No. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, Paul talks about the armor of God and he says, the, he says to believers, he, says, he said, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus' Word is like a sword. And when he comes, he's going to speak and his Word is going to separate and divide those that are on his side versus those that are not on his side. Verse 15 says, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He will smite the nations. So his word is going to smite the nations of the world because the nations of the world are not in harmony with his word. We need to be willing to be different from the nations of the world if we're going to stand on that day. Uh, somebody once said that most people would rather die than be different. And then the same, it was a minister, he said, uh, and they will, they will probably, they will die because they're not willing to be different, to be followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, we need to be willing to be different from the godless ways of this world, to be true followers of Jesus, or we're just not going to be ready to stand on that great day. The Bible says that with his sword, Jesus will smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress and the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. The wrath of Almighty God. Jesus' character, according to this book, is not just a character of gentleness, humility, kindness, and love, but he also has wrath and justice. And I believe that behind wrath and behind justice is a heart of love, and that the reason why God is going to punish evil and, and pour out his wrath upon wickedness is because he loves, he has a passion of love, and he wants to get rid of sin so that it doesn't ravage and destroy his world forever. That's why he will do this, and he will do it. And the Bible tells us his character is a blend between mercy and justice. And the scripture says that he will tread the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God as Jesus comes down to do battle, to do war against the forces of evil, and to defeat these forces. In verse 16, he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, which is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, there's a lot of kings in this world, but Jesus Christ is above the kings. There are a lot of those that consider themselves lords, presidents, rulers, statesmen, people in responsibility, but Jesus is above them all. He's above them all. He is the King of Kings and He is the Lord of Lords. So the big question again is how, how can we be prepared for the big day, for the collision day when heaven opens and Jesus comes down as a holy warrior to do battle against evil.
the answer to our preparation is found in verse 8. Verse 8 is describing God's people, his saints. It says, To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Jesus has a, a robe of righteousness. Revelation 7 verse 14 describes a whole group of people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, from all the nations, black, white, red, yellow, uh, all the people of the world who choose to turn away from sin to choose and choose to follow Jesus Christ, they will be clothed in white robes. Jesus is coming on a white horse. That's the um, symbolism of Revelation. And he wants us to participate in that whiteness and to be clothed with the white robe of his righteousness, which he's willing to put on each of us if we're just willing to make a choice to turn away from sin and from evil. I heard about a story about two men, and they went for a, a boat ride on a, on a little, inside a little boat down a river one day, and they had uh, two life jackets. And one of the men put the life jacket on, life jacket on, and the other man decided, well, I'll just put it next to me uh, on the seat, and if I need it, I'll, I'll put it on. So they started going down the river, and it was a beautiful day, and everything was fine. Water was running smoothly, but after a few turns, they ran into some unexpected rapids, and the boat turned over. And as they went over into the cold water, the man that had the life jacket on, that put it on before they got to the rapids, he went down but popped up, and he swam ashore. The other man, who thought he'd put the life jacket on when the waters got rough, uh, he, he made a mistake, and he never did come up. And there's a lesson for us in that story. We need, right now, to choose to give up sin, the ways of the world, the confusion of the uh, godless age that surrounds us, and to trust in Jesus Christ, to turn from our sins and trust in Jesus, and clothe ourselves with the white robe of his righteousness, and to be true followers of Jesus Christ in our hearts, in our characters, in our words, and in our actions. If we do that, we'll be ready for collision day, when Jesus Christ returns, as described in the Bible. Revelation 19.11, Scripture says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. May God help us to be ready for that big day when Jesus comes. You have just heard his voice today. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting messages just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com, or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at whitehorse7, or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.